Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. We're going to go to God's Word here in just a moment, but not me today. Here's a question. Who will reach the addicted, the afflicted, and the hopeless in the inner cities of the United States? This is the heart behind our guest this morning. Could you bring up the family's picture, please? I think, Jay, that one might be a little old. Yeah, we need an updated picture, probably. Our guest this morning is the Reverend Jay Coverage. Reverend Covert is a former addict and a Teen Challenge graduate. Some of you are aware of the ministry of Teen Challenge, where those who are addicted can come and receive prayer and a, a discipled life and, and hang on to Jesus. He is a uh, Teen Challenge graduate. He's also a graduate of Master's Commission. In 2004, maybe he'll share some of this story, but he went to an area that I try to avoid. When we used to live in Kansas and we needed to drive to Michigan, oftentimes we drove through St. Louis. We took that route. And when you cross the Mississippi River in St. Louis, you get to the Illinois side. The Illinois side has something called East St. Louis. And East St. Louis was a place Sherry and I did not want to go into. It is the inner city. It is a uh, very depressed area financially. Uh, it is filled with drug addiction and a variety of other things. Uh, Pastor Jay was just saying before service that the alarm went off at his church last night. Of course, he couldn't do anything about it because he was here in Indiana. But he says there are, what, three bars that are surrounding and a strip club that's across the street from the church that he planted in East St. Louis and uh, is still functioning, although you're no longer pastoring there. And so in 2004, he went to East St. Louis to start an inner-city ministry in one of America's roughest cities. From there, he formed what is called the Urban Outreach Network. He's married. He was wife, Cinnamon. They have three children. Only two are shown in that picture. They're all grown now out of the house. Um, and so as we begin our annual missions emphasis here at CFA, I've asked Jay not only to share about the work of Urban Outreach, but to bring today's message from the Word of God. Would you please welcome this morning Reverend Jay Covert. Your mic's right there, my friend. There you go. Well, good morning. Anybody know where Greencastle is? That's where I'm from. I'm from Indiana. And um, it's good to be here. It's good to be with you this morning. We have 11 urban outreaches uh, across the United States. Uh, number 11, it's just now, it's in the, the, the process of starting up. There's no building or anything. It's how we've always started our ministries in the inner city. And so I, I'd like to have Chris Padgett come up today and share a few uh minutes with you uh how how he's doing with the ministry there the 11th city is indianapolis and so we're going to be right there in your backyard thank you jay thank you pastor for having missy and i here uh we're so grateful and we're so lucky to be called to this kind of ministry missy and i moved over from the St. illinois side of the st louis river back in april we got to escape illinois jay's still there we we got out but uh we're grateful to be here 
So what we're doing now, Jay always said and has taught me, slow and steady wins the race whenever you're doing this kind of ministry. Uh, right now what we're doing is we've been blessed with a van. So we're, Missy and I are going out. Jay went with us a few times, has gone out a few times with us, but we're taking blessing bags to the homeless, to the addicted. Right now in Indianapolis, the homeless rate is um, it's 10 times higher than it's ever been. The violent crime rate in Indianapolis is 245% above the national average. So what we do is we go out on the street, we find people to minister to because we have to build a relationship with people. We can't go into these areas and just start a ministry because it don't work that way. So we go out with our van, we hand out food, blessing bags, um, primarily right now to the drug addicted and the homeless. But we don't just give them food, we give them Jesus. We lay hands on them and we pray for their needs. If they want to beat addiction, we lay hands on them and believe that God will, will heal their addiction. So when Jay and I were here in November, we're not just going to uh, stick to homeless ministry. We have plans of getting a building and planting down there and, and discipling people, not just feeding people. We're going to disciple people. So when Jay and I come over in November, we were at Monument Circle, and it was really bad over there because of the homelessness. It was before March Madness started, so there was homeless everywhere, and it looked like a third-world country. And Jay grew up over here, and he's like, I've never seen it like this. And as we were driving around, we wondered what we could do to help because there was a lot of people feeding the homeless, and they were uh, giving them clothes. So as we were driving, I thought, how about we get a trailer and, and convert it into showers so they can have a shower, feel clean, and while they're waiting on a shower, we can minister to them. So I called Missy because I was excited. Jay's like, oh, that's a great idea. I called Missy, and she's like, yeah, I was waiting on, on you to come home. She was in St. Louis still to tell you that because God gave me that just a few hours ago. So we've been believing for a trailer, and I had a, we, Jay spoke at a church in September. I met him because it was in the area. This kid come up to me, and he wanted to be part of that. So he said, can I help you find a trailer? And I'm like, yeah. Within two days, he did. But it was a Winnebago, and I was told to steer clear of that because if it breaks down, then you have no means to, to provide a ministry or a service to these people. So I saw that kid at ISOM last, sat last Saturday, not yesterday. And he said, what's going on with your trailer? And I said, ah, that kind of fell through, but God's going to give me one. Well, the next day, Jay was speaking at church in southern Indiana, and he shared the story and we were given a trailer. And it's already gutted, now we just have to retrofit it. So everything is very slow, um, but you have to build those relationships with people before you, you have to meet a need before you can meet a spiritual need. But when we minister to them, we minister to a lot of heroin addicts yesterday on the street, it, it's sickening and it's sad. We tell them we're not going anywhere and, and we are gonna disciple them. So pray for us, pray for us when we're down in the inner cities that God, number one, gives us a building, but before even a building, and I know he's going to give it to us because he gave us a trailer, that we have the means to retrofit that trailer immediately because the need is huge down there. Uh, so keep us in prayer for our safety and, and, and also for our, our provision and need that we may affect the city of Indianapolis. And we're not leaving. We're there to stay. So thank you, Jay. We went out yesterday, and we, we did a, a ministry there in Indianapolis, so 
One of the things I asked a lot of the people that we were ministering to was, what are you addicted to? And the number one answer was heroin. It's not just in Indianapolis. It's an epidemic that's literally all across our United States. It's right here in your city. And, and those people have no hope unless the church steps up. We're it. We're the last line of defense for our nation. Did you know only one out of every three Christians vote? We wonder why we're so messed up. We have to be a voice. And you see what's happening right now. If we're not a voice, it's being stripped and taken from us. We need to be bold for the kingdom. It's not about the church. It's about the kingdom of God. There are 380,000 churches in America. There's more than enough churches to reach people. But the problem is most churches aren't doing anything. They're just stuck inside. We have to be outside the walls of the building. We have to be aggressive in how we reach people. And so I want to share a little bit uh, this morning my testimony of where I was and how I've got to where I am today. So I'll go back to June of 1990. It was a hot day. I was riding my motorcycle. I uh, did not have a helmet on. I was, uh, I was riding down 231, about 45 miles an hour, and a truck ran a stop sign. I hit him head on, T-boned right into him, totaled my motorcycle. I slid several feet on pavement. When I got up, all I had was a scratch on my arm. Now, I know that there's an angel undergirded me. There's no other way you could explain that. And I was running from God, and I kept, I, I continued to run from God. And then in April of 91, I, I got pulled over by an Indiana State trooper, and uh, um, I had a guy with me. We both had drugs on us, and I thought that that night for sure I was going to jail. There's no way I'm going to be able to talk myself out of this because we just smoked the blunt, and my car smelled like weed. And so the state trooper pulled me out of my car. He talked to me, and he, he said, uh, uh, you give me three names, and I'll let you go. So I just made up three names on the spot, and he let me go. And uh, the next day, my mom calls, and she's, she's hysterical. She's upset. She's crying. She's screaming over the phone at me. And she says, you were in trouble last night, weren't you? I said, how do you know? She said, I was at church, and the Holy Spirit told me to pray for you. And my dad told me several times that whenever I was in trouble, she knew, and she would just pray for me. And that's how I got out of that. I kept running from God. And one night I was at the dope man's house, and I'd taken a lot of drugs that night, and I felt like I was going in and out of consciousness. I felt like I was dying. And then the next day I was fine. That afternoon, a lady named Jane Howard, I did not know her. I don't know how she got my phone number. She called, and she said, are you Jay? I said, I am. She said, God woke me up last night in the middle of my sleep and told me to pray for you. I prayed for you the entire night. I seen your face 12 times in the fire. Do you know what that means? I said, I do. I almost died 12 times last night, and if I would have died, I would have ended up in hell. She said, yes, you're correct. You need to get your life right with God. And it was a few weeks later, I found myself in Teen Challenge. So I'm a, a 91 Teen Challenge graduate. And so when I came out of Teen Challenge, I worked a few jobs here and there. And then how many remember the Brownsville Revival? So I went to that. And Steve Hill was a, he was a Teen Challenge graduate, so he would always, at the end of the service, he would say, for any Teen Challenge graduates here, come forward, I want to pray for you. So I went forward, he prayed for me, then he prophesied, and he said, within the next year, you're going to be in full-time ministry. And I'm thinking, this guy's off his rocker. You know, I, I'm working at the Indiana Boys School in Plainfield, that's where I was living at the time, and uh, 
you know, 26 years old, I've never been to Bible college, I'm thinking, how's all that going to happen in a year? And do you know it was exactly a year later, September 1997, that I found myself in Master's Commission. And so I was there for three years. That's where I got credentialed with the Assemblies of God. And, and we went on a missions trip in October of 99. We went to work with a missionary in Washington, D.C. And we were there for three days. We did a Convoy of Hope outreach in Baltimore. And as we were coming, there's 28 of us. As we were coming back to um, Indiana, I heard the Lord say, you're going to work with that missionary. And I said, no, I'm not. Lord, that, that was a bad area. You know, I grew up in a little farming community. That, that's foreign to me. And God would not let that go. For several months, he would speak to me about it. And I, I finally, I caved in. And then June of uh, 2000, I, I moved out there. And I was only supposed to be with that missionary for two years. I stayed four years with him. And so... As I began to pray and ask God, where, where do you want me to go? I heard the Lord say, I want you to go to East St. Louis. And I'm thinking, well, that's just as bad as where I've been. I wanted to go to Gary, Indiana. I mean, that's just as bad too. But that door was shut. But that's been our heart for years to plant something in, in Gary, Indiana. And I never said anything to Chris about that. And, and God just put on his heart that once Indianapolis gets going, that there will be an urban outreach in Gary. Because it fits the profile of what we do. We go to the hard places. We go to the places where churches don't know what to do, where we're reaching out to the people nobody wants. I realized back then that that's what God has called me to do, and that is to reach the, the addicted, afflicted, and hopeless. So in 2004, I went from D.C.D. St. Louis. I, I had came to a city where I had no building, no staff, didn't know anyone. I had to start that ministry from scratch. I remember one day I was driving around my little Ford Aspire, giving out clothes and food to people, and uh, a drug dealer jumped in my car with me. You know, that, that freaked me out a little bit because here's the thing in the hood. You can't have your windows up and your doors locked. That signifies fear. I mean, if you're going to do it, you've got to be all in. And, I, and he, that, that guy jumped in my car. I started preaching Jesus at him. He jumped out as quick as he jumped in. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? There are three things he spoke to me that day. It was reach out to the addicted, afflicted, and hopeless. Raise up pastors and plant churches. So today we're, we're working on urban outreach number 11. And we're a debt-free intercity ministry. We don't have any debt. We run everything debt-free. We'll always run everything debt-free because inner-city ministry cannot sustain debt. The people we're ministering to, they're, they're, it's hard to to disciple someone and expect the next week for them to tithe when you're trying to get them to get their life on track. And sometimes it takes months to do this. But if you'll stay the course, if you'll, you know, if you'll commit to longevity, God will see you through. I've been in East St. Louis 17 years now. It's a long time. And I can tell you, you know, back in December 13, I got caught up in a drive-by. I just happened to be at the wrong spot at the wrong time when a guy was shooting out of his car 50 feet from my van, and then he shot the three cars behind me, and six people got hurt. We've had three people shot and killed right across the street from our church. A couple of years ago, a teenager, we found him. He'd been uh, shot in the head, face down, in his pool of blood. He died on Saturday night, Sunday morning. We have a live homicide scene going on with church service. 
We're, we're in the element. But here's the thing. We must shine the gospel light brightest in the darkest places. And we cannot have fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. He's giving us a spirit of love and a sound mind. We must reach out to people where they're at and allow the Holy Spirit to do the, do the rest. Look, I can't clean anyone up. It's not my job. I'm just the hands and feet of Jesus. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to clean people up where they're at. That's his job. We're just called to love people where they're at. You know, Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to barge in your door and make you do what you don't want to do. You have to be willing to serve him. In most churches in America, 80% of people in the church don't do anything while 20% do everything. We have to take the burden off. The church is only as strong as the people are inside of it. If the church is thriving and it's growing and, and we're finding our places of ministry, then the church will be healthy and God will move like, like, like no other time. The Spirit of God is looking for churches right now in this day and hour that he has the free liberty to move. But we have to allow him to do what he wants. If you're willing, God will get you where you need to go. You've heard a saying before, all hands on deck. If you're a believer this morning, God has purposed you. He has called you. He has orchestrated. He has ordained you to be a missionary where you work and where you live. There's no one in here this morning, if you are a believer, that has an exemption card for ministry. We are all called to do something. God calls us to do what is impossible with men, but possible with him. Our ministries, they run every, the thousands of people that we're ministering to on a monthly basis in 11 different cities. It's, it's, it's amazing how God just does all this stuff. People write checks and put them in the mail. There are people who support our ministry. I have no idea who they are. We had two uh, CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. One you've shopped in and other you've ate their ice cream. They've sent us money. They bought a building for us in St. Louis. They both wrote checks for $50,000 each and bought us a building for our Bosnian work. We have the largest Bosnian population outside of Bosnia. There's 70,000 Bosnians in St. Louis. 90% of them are Muslim. The city of St. Louis is only a city of 300,000, but yet there are three nationally appointed U.S. missionaries that are serving to reach the Muslims. The nations of the world, they're here now. They've been here. We've got to keep moving forward. If we're a missions-giving church, if we're a missions-sending church, that means we're, we're going to go after the nations of the world that are right here. We've, we have to find ways to reach them. God will always honor his word. If you show God how big your faith is, he will show you just how big he is. Because everything we do is built on faith. Hebrews 11, 1 is my favorite scripture. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's ministry. There are ministries today that are in the birth canal. And some of you are to birth these ministries within this body. And if you don't birth them, then they're never going to happen. But if you'll take a, a risk, I call it calculated risk. And you'll say, Lord, here am I. Help me do this. He will give you the necessities. He will speak to you and tell you how to do it. 
people ask us all the time, how are you doing all this stuff? And I tell them, I don't know. I'm not that educated. I've just been winging it with the Holy Ghost for the last 20 years. He knows best. All I am is a vessel. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be, the, be God's voice in, in his word. People are desperate. This morning, you're either a participator or you're a spectator. There's no middle ground anymore. That middle ground's over. You're either doing something or you're not. We have to be about the Father's business. If you're a believer, you're called to reach the lost. People in this city, you know, yesterday as we were doing ministry, people are so open because they're addicted. They're living homeless on the streets because of their drug addiction. They're begging for help. And the most we can do is just give them something to eat and ask them, can we pray for you? And most of the time, they'll let us pray for them. And it's that moment, that defining moment when we pray for them, that the Holy Spirit that's in us transfers over to them to convict them, to help them want to change. We carry the power of God in us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God has a plan and purpose for every one of us here this morning. But we have to be open and willing to allow God to speak through us and move in us. Pastor, you're right on key with prayer. The Spirit of God wants His church to be strong, healthy, active, and vibrant. It's not a Sunday morning thing. God wants the church to be open throughout the week. But He waits on us. We hold the keys to revival. We hold the keys to the kingdom. It's up to us. But he's a gentleman. He'll never tell you what you have to do. He'll only invite you to do what he wants you to. And you have that opportunity to say yes or no. The church must find new and creative ways to engage with the lost and the unchurched. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They're probably going to cuss. I know you don't want to hear it this morning, but if there's cigarette buds out in, in the parking lot, that's not a bad thing. That means God's moving on people. We can't change anyone. And, and there are people that will try to take advantage of you, and so you have to be bold. You have to be strong. You have to have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit wants for your life. And if you'll say yes, He'll use you to do great and mighty things. Look, I'm just a little guy from Greencastle, Indiana, a little farming town. I just said yes every time. I've said, Lord, slow down the church plants. There's got to be more people to do this stuff. But when He speaks to me, I say yes. Because I know I've done it long enough now. I've done this for 22 years now. I've been, I'm a seasoned missionary. I know that when God speaks to me, that God's going to give me someone to plant that church. God's going to do all the work. But he has to have the person. They used to say a little dab will do you, but buddy, you need a good old dose of the Holy Ghost. Our world is collapsing. I used to try to figure out how, how's the market of the beast and all this going to happen. Now you're seeing it. 
if you are keen in the spiritual realm, you are seeing everything right now is being lined up. The Antichrist and the false prophet, they're alive and well today. <clears throat> we are transitioning to this. But you know what that means? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming much sooner than the church is prepared for. He's coming. Ready or not, he's coming. There's going to be a lot of people left behind. People say, well, there's going to be one last great revival. What if that revival is whenever he comes back and the people are left behind finally get it in gear? There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the kingdom of God right here in the earth. We represent the kingdom. We are the kingdom. And God wants to empower us to do great and mighty things. You know, I, I know that in Scripture, we've read it throughout the, the, the Gospels, how Jesus and the disciples came across demons, people who were demon-possessed. Brother, we see that stuff all the time. That is nothing new. There are times when we're doing ministry in East St. Louis. Well, I just had a team two weeks ago, and we were doing ministry, and, and I'm ministering to this guy, and then this woman walks up. She's 34 years old because she tells me that, and then, she, and then a demon starts messing with, just starts messing with stuff, trying to get in between me and the guy, and then another guy shows up, and he's in an 85 Chevy Capri, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. He gets out. I don't know who he is. You know, so I'm watching him, and, and then he knows who I am because we've been here for so long. He remembered the days when Urban Outreach was going to the hotel right across the street from our building. That's where that hotel was nothing but a brothel, rooms of prostitutes with their children sharing their rooms. And, and so the children are seeing what their mom's doing, or she's locking them up in the bathroom. And we would go in that, and he said he remembers the, the Urban Outreach Church going into that building and giving uh, bundles of roses to the prostitutes and telling them that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life. It's no longer there. They tore that building down. It burned down, then they tore it down. It disintegrated the whole neighborhood. That whole neighborhood just dried up. But he remembers that. People remember when God shows up and God shows out. We were standing one night, we, we had just done ministering, Chris was there, and we are just standing in front of our building, just kicking it, and a lady walks by, and no one said a word, and she just started manifesting the demon. And we offered her deliverance, but here's the thing, if they don't want delivered, the demon has rights to the body. They have to want delivered. Ramona and I were in Albuquerque, New Mexico in, in June. I had a guy lined up to take a, he was going to plan an urban outreach. He was going to go through orientation here in September. And so I said to Lee, I said, look at Albuquerque. And they went out there and they checked it out. So he got permission from Illinois and then he got permission from U.S. Missions. But he did not have permission from New Mexico. And so, you know, the thing is, if they, don't, if they say you can't do it, then you're, you're done. And so I called the superintendent, and I talked to him, and, and I said, we want to plant urban outreach in Albuquerque. We want to be in the war zone. It's a neighborhood there. It's well-known. It's where all the drug addiction, I mean, in broad daylight, people are passed on the sidewalks from heroin. And, you know, there's overdoses every day and prostitution in broad daylight. It's like, it's like a third-world country right here in America. 
God said, that's where we want to plant. I've been to Albuquerque, Albuquerque, that was my fourth time. I tried to go there, and God said no, and I tried to get two other guys to go there, and God said no. And so this is my fourth time trying it. What, where are you getting at? God may not let you do it the first time, but if you just stay on him, eventually you'll get there. And so Lee and I and Ramon met there, and uh, the superintendent, there was a church that happened to be in the neighborhood that was op open. And so we were there Tuesday, Wednesday night, at least preaching in a church. Two weeks later, they voted him in as their pastor. And he's like, what about Urban Outreach? I said, don't worry about that. That will come in a couple years from now. Just pastor the church. And that Wednesday night, as we were leaving the church, there was a police officer right outside the door and sitting in his police car. That's how bad the neighborhood is, that they have to have law, law enforcement there. And, and so as Ramon and I were walking out of the building, we're going to the parking lot to get to the car, I see a lady across the street. And I said to Ramon, that woman has a demon in her, and she is coming right to us. And sure enough, she came right to us, got right up in our face and started manifesting. Give the church people an eyeful. And we, we laid hands on her. We began to pray for her, but she did not want delivered. And so she just moved on. Our, our Hispanic uh, church that we planned in Washington Park, which is in East St. Louis, there are, no, there are no Hispanics that live in Washington Park. I, remember, I got a lot of flack for that, planting that church there. But let me tell you, it's a solid Pentecostal church. They move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They have baptisms every, every month. But there's also something else that goes on. There's buckets at the altar. Those buckets are not for offerings. Those buckets are for people because they have, it happens all the time there. People come forward to get prayed for, and then they start manifesting demons. They've cast out over 2,000 or over two dozen demons out of people on Sunday mornings. See, there's something I've, I've, I've learned about demons, and it's this. They only manifest when they're provoked or they're threatened. And the average church in America never gets to that place. People show up every Sunday in churches all across America with demons in them. We call them critters. They show up with their critters, and they don't want to get rid of them. We have the power. We have the authority. God wants to use us in a great way to change the people that are in our community. If we don't do it, there's no hope. Like I said earlier, we're the last defense. We can no longer hide in the, the trenches. We can't hide in the foxholes anymore. We must engage the battlefield. We must engage with people that are they're hurting, they're desperate, they're wounded. We must engage in reaching them. God, that's where his heart is. His heart is to engage for the lost. We were created in the image of God. He loves people. And that's what the church has always been about. It's about people. If we contain the fire of the Holy Spirit inside the walls, it will never change the city. We must fan the flames of the Holy Spirit outside the walls where the hurting and desperate are. When we launched um, our work in New Orleans, which I just seen, uh, a guy just uh, um, posted on Facebook two days ago that the Pentecostal News just wrote an article on our, our urban outreach in New Orleans. We don't have a building there. All of, our, all of our cities that we're in, they're all different models. We've done that on purpose. We created these models so that as we continue planting churches, we've worked out all the kinks. 
And so there they don't have a building. And so what Josh Holder did was he bought a brand new two-axle, like a race car trailer, this big old trailer. And then they had it outfitted into a commercial kitchen. So now they take that thing. He just got a speed light truck. And so they take that thing out every week, and they go underneath the bridges, and they set up chairs, and they have church right on the spot, and they feed people. Listen, the church is not a building. We are the church. We have to engage. And so I thought it was so neat that, that um, the assistant superintendent of Illinois, he's retired, but he posted on my wall. He's seen that. I wouldn't have seen it because I'm not online I'm reading that stuff. And I thought, wow, that's so neat, you know, that, that, that they had already had 22,000 likes on that thing. We've worked really hard to build a model that we can plant in other places. I have a list of 75 cities that we want to put urban outreaches in. There are cities where nobody knows what to do with it. The, the churches have left. That's what's happened in the inner city. When the church leaves, it creates a vacuum and strongholds set up. And those strongholds can only be pulled down by the church, by us. They, they have the rights, but we have, we have bigger rights because we have Jesus living inside of us. We have an urban outreach in Phoenix, Arizona. There's 30 to 40,000 homeless people there. In the past three months, they've gotten almost 40 people off the streets into programs. We're about the Father's business. Our, our um, church in Denver, Colorado, is what we call a community dinner church. We've been doing it now for 12 years. And so... Thursday nights at 5 o'clock, people start waiting in line to get in. At 6 o'clock, we open the doors, the building's packed. We've outgrown the building because the needs are so much. And so as they're eating a meal, we give them like a banquet-styled meal. While they're eating, we share a a 15-minute Jesus story with them through the Gospels. and, And then we open up our closets and we bless them. The Willards, they used to be on staff here in Crawfordsville. They came to East St. Louis three different times to do outreaches at Christmas time with us, and then they got the bug. The bug bit them. And so they were like, we want to plan an urban outreach. So they went to Cleveland, Ohio, and they, they started the urban outreach there. And they, they live in the city. I, I encouraged them not to. They have four children, but they said they were going to do that. And so they, they hit the ground running. They, they started to do a ministry in their neighborhood. And what happened was it forced them to plant a church in their house. Could you imagine on Sunday mornings and Thursday nights having thir- uh, 20 to 40 people from the hood in your house? And then they started an after-school tutoring program. Monday through Friday, they'd have over 20 kids in their house tutoring them. And then the most amazing thing happened. The 1,600-square-foot house next door came up for sale, and the bank sold them the house for $500. That'll tell you what kind of neighborhood you're in. We can buy a house for $500. Did they know they were going to plant a house church? No, but God did. God had prepared them for that. And they were in that house for a couple of years, and then the same bank called them and said, hey, we have this old tavern. It has a large building attached to it and, and a two-bedroom apartment. We would like to sell you the building. And Bob said, how much? They said, we'll let you have it for $500. And so they wrote the check out and bought the building. Six months later, the bank called um, Bob and said, can you and... Judy, come here. We need to talk to you. So they go to the bank, and the bank says, we see all the stuff that you're doing in the neighborhood, 
And so we just want to bless you today. And they reissued them a check for $500 and donated the building to them. So here's my question today. If you get anything out of this message, this is the question to you. God forbid if this church was to close, would your community miss you? Do they know you're here? That should be the defining question for every church in America. Does our community know we're here? Are we prepared to, to receive the masses if God was to show up and revival hit this place? Would you be able to handle it? He's preparing the church right now. America's in trouble. Nobody wants to talk about it. We're not a Christian nation anymore. If we were, we wouldn't be acting like we do. We're at that thin thread of grace right now. God's turned us back on our country. You're starting to see we're reaping what we've sown. Hopelessness is coming. The church better be ready. When 9-11 hit, churches were packed out. That day's coming again. Be prayed up. Be ready. Because people are going to flock to the churches where the power of God's at. And if we're ready, then we might just see revival. Amen? One more story. We were given a 33,000-square-foot building in Cincinnati. It's in the Price Hill neighborhood. Independent pastor planted that church 50 years ago, and he was ready to retire and didn't have anyone to give it to, and it just fell into our lap. And it's in the Price Hill neighborhood, the most violent neighborhood in Cincinnati. That's what God's done all these years is he just tells people to give us buildings or he tells people to buy them for us. We don't, we don't talk about that. We're, I'm, I've never talked about money. I'm not going to start now. God spoke to me years ago when I, when I was at my first service as a youth group. 75 kids, the youth pastor said to me, we're going to give you $100 tonight because that's probably as best as you're going to do. And so I go to this lake and I said to God, what do you want me to do? I, I, this is my first service. And he spoke three things to me that night. He said, challenge my people, preach my word, and never talk about money. And so I did that. They took up an offering, and the offering was $1,010 plus $100 from a youth group of 75 kids. I've never deterred from that. It's God's ministry. It's always been his. He said to me early on, if you say it's yours, you'll pay for it. But if you give me the glory and you say it's mine, I'll take care of it. We're going to be a strong ministry. We're going to continue planting churches in the hood. And so I want to say to you this morning, thank you for supporting us monthly. And if and when you guys have funds, perhaps you would pick up the pageants. But we're grateful for your partnership today. Thank you. And God bless you. Stay up here for a moment. Stay up here for a moment. Um, Jay has come, and he's not talked about money, and that's just fine. But you did tell me something, and I just want the folks to understand. You have one of the largest monthly missions budgets that you have to raise of any mission. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, the average, from what I've gathered, I, I was at a missions convention a while back, and the head missionary was there, over 400 missionaries in 40 countries, and I asked him what the largest budget was, 
on world missions, he said was 10,000. One guy told me 16,000. My missionary budget's $26,755 a month. That's a month. It's the highest in missions. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons for that is, is because when you go into a place, Urban Outreach is helping many of these places financially. Certainly the pastors, the missionaries are going to raise support, but there's a lot of your budget that goes to all these different places you just yeah. spoke about. See, when we give to um, the, let me think, I make Urban Outreach Ministries, uh, it is not just going to him and his family, it is going to all of these churches, all of these places, all of the ministries that are taking place throughout the United States. And what that means is when you, as a congregation, you on a monthly basis give to missions, a part of that is heading to Urban Outreach, a part of that is heading to Cincinnati, to Cleveland, to East St. Louis, to Denver, to Phoenix, maybe to, would you say Albuquerque, or did that one? Yeah. Yeah. And soon, back into Indianapolis. That's what missions is about. It is about us investing in souls that we may never see. Certainly, there may be a time when we can go as a congregation and do some work in Indianapolis when the, uh, the pa- pa- pageants okay, are there. But whether or not we go, if they are there and we are sending missions dollars because you have given to the cause of Christ, we're a part of what's happening in all of these cities. Thank you again very much for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Would you give it up one more time for Pastor Jay Colbert? Jay will have lots of stories. You could have stayed for another hour and told us all kinds of stories, but if you want to meet with him one-on-one, you are certainly welcome. If you wish to meet the, uh, the pageants, uh, Chris and Missy, did I get it right? I tried to keep that in my mind. Would you stand? Team, I want you to return to the platform. I think you have I give myself away plan, don't you? I want us to close with this song of dedication. Specifically, I want you to begin to ask God what he wants you to do as a family or as individuals. Now, some of our teens are over here. Some of our young adults are over here. Maybe mom and dad are giving to missions, but what are you doing for missions? What are you doing for missions? You talked about, Jay talked about a Speed the Light vehicle. Speed the Light is the teen avenue that they can give to missions and then the states that they give to purchase or send the money that missionaries get to purchase vehicles. Vehicles are important. Vehicles are important overseas. Vehicles are important here in the United States to get the work of God done. What does God have for you? Children, they give to something called BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. There are ways for you to give to the cause of Christ around the world. Over the next several weeks, and we're, ne- we're going to have missionaries here for the next four weeks, Jay is the only one that's going to do an entire service. Everybody else is just going to bring a window. But we want you to hear what God is doing around the world and here in the United States because you and I give to see that missions go out. And here's my challenge. If you have never given anything to missions, you say, well, I don't have much to give. Give a little. See what God will do to bless it. I want this church 
to be a 100% giving church, meaning that every family gives something. It doesn't have to be $100 or $300 or $50 or $20, but every person who calls CFA their church home, every person that online calls CFA their church home to be giving something to missions on a monthly basis. The need in the world is great. We've just heard about the need in the inner cities. But there are also needs here in the United States, but around the world, the needs are great. What will you do? Begin to ask God. A month from now, getting nearer Thanksgiving, we're going to take up what we call faith promises, something that you believe by faith God would have you do for missions. But right now, I just want you to begin to see what God might have you do, even today. You haven't given a faith promise or you haven't made a faith promise. Would God ask you to do something even today for the cause of missions? You can fill out an, uh, an envelope, put it in there, put it in the back. Just make sure it says missions. Anything that you ever give here at CFA that says missions on it goes to our missionaries or to support missions projects. The general expense of this church never comes out of the missions budget. That is for our missionaries and for us to minister. When you give of your tithes, that is what supports this church. I just want to speak something to someone. I don't know who it is. And then I've asked Pastor Jay to pray over us. It may be happening now, but it might happen in the near future. There's someone here that God's going to begin to speak to you about entering into some type of ministry. I'm really sensing it could be a young person that God is speaking to you about going into ministry of some kind and you think, I'm unqualified. May I point out unqualified? Okay. Back in 1991, uh, when were you still addicted? 91. In 1991, this man was unqualified to be in ministry. What was your drug of choice? All of it. Okay. <laughs> Stop looking at being unqualified as what Jay had to do to look to a God who can do miraculous things. He couldn't do any of the stuff on his own. That's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I don't know who it is. You could be, maybe you're a senior adult, and God is just talking to you about, about stepping out and doing some type of ministry. I don't know who it is, but if God begins to speak to you, would you begin to say, okay, God, how? How is this going to take place that me, feeling so unqualified, then I want you to think back to this day. I want you to think back to this man. And I want you to see what an unqualified individual looks like when God gets a hold of their life. And this unqualified, now qualified, and doing phenomenal things, God is using in a phenomenal way, is going to pray our final prayer of blessing over us. And then, if you need prayer at the close of service, uh, prayer team members, if one or two of you could come, uh, I would really appreciate that. And uh, step here to the front so that you can pray for folks. Hey, folks at home, he's going to pray this prayer. It's going to be a blessing over you. Maybe you feel that the challenge of what I've just said to uh, someone here in the building, that maybe God's talking to you too, and you feel unqualified. Well, let's just see what God might do in and through your life. After Pastor Jay prays a prayer of blessing over us, Pastor Evan is going to come on and tell you how to communicate with us here at the church. Pastor Jay, would you pray over us? Lord, I just pray a blessing over this church. I pray that you would give 
each individual's eyes to see and ears to hear your spirit. I pray that you would begin to speak to the church here, that people would have a burden for their city, that they would go to the tough places here. May there be a, a spirit of evangelism fall on this place. We pray that the fivefold ministries would invade this place and the gifts of your Holy Spirit would be in operation. Lord, we pray that you would begin to move your people from outside this building into the battlefield to start bringing people in. May this church be known as a hospital. May they know, be known as a hospital that receives those that are hurting in which you, Jesus, do heart transplants and change people. And we give you praise, we give you thanks on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.